My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. But it's an empty road. I feel so alone. I forgot what I'm fighting for. When the weight of the world keeps you up at night. When you're running with no end inside. Lot you and Good evening, Patriots. It's the end of Tuesday, August 22nd, in the year 2022. We're in kind of a, a real interesting place right now. And it's the, really watching this world unravel. And we're seeing some of levels of evil that are just, quite frankly, just hard to imagine that we've ever seen anything this horrific. We are we're facing in this time right now, if, when we continue to look at Lahaina, and I will continue to look at Lahaina, just some very difficult realities that we can't turn our eyes away from. There is a moment right now that 
as the truth comes out, and the truth is coming out more and more of what's going on there, the big issue at hand are the children. And the numbers, quite frankly, are stunning and mind-boggling. There were 3,000 children that were enrolled in school. About 400 of them were remotely schooled. And in some, they, they can account for about 200. The numbers that they're reporting are completely off. And because of that, we have no sense of the magnitude of this disaster. It, it's looking like an unprecedented level of death in this firestorm. And it's, it's getting worse all the time because a lot of what we're seeing in this firestorm is also that the reports coming out is that the, there's bodies that have been found with children even like wrapped around their dog and other babies in infant seats. And this thing is being brushed off by this administration like a small fire in his house or whatever. And so I want to kind of dig into a lot of the Lahaina perspective tonight, as I have, but in, in a little different spiritual level, and just also look at some of the bigger movements of the things that are happening here. But really where our center always has to be is Jesus. And that just can't be understated, or I should say overstated enough. Um, because it's a time when we're going to feel a lot of pain. But the pain can't pull us away from the love that we need to bring into this world. And that's going to be the, probably one of the hardest crucibles for us to walk, is to realize that we're looking at the face of evil. Face of evil wears Hawaiian shirts. The face of evil has fat bellies. The face of evil has a suit and a tie. A face of evil... Uh, lives in our political realms. The face of evil lives in our boardrooms of our corporations and our teachers' rooms, etc. And it's not, I mean, we joke a lot about lizard heads and demons, but what lurks within has a human face on the outside. And that's going to be the real place of understanding, I think, as we start to come to grips with that and what we are needing to do as God's children, I think God's children, the children of the Most High, where we're going to have to go with a lot of this. Before we get going, I just want to emphasize the importance of the time we're in. Food preparation is huge. I mean, you've heard me tell stories, or if you haven't, I've been recently, we're harvesting some steers. I'm, you know, getting things put in freezers. We've got food preparation. But even in the midst of all of that, and even with the canning I'm doing and the, and the food drying we're doing, I keep a baseline of emergency food that I, I never have to worry about. And the nice thing about emergency food is its shelf life is immense. And my Patriot Supply has, in my opinion, it is, some of the, it is the best on the market. And it's equally, the, they're the largest supplier of emergency food. So if you head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. You're going to be able to find a selection of things. They're free month food kits, for example, are things that you can have out there and have on the shelf for upwards of 20 years. And it's a big deal. And there's a huge sailing on those 25% off right now, which is as big as they've ever had. And I think it's really important to make sure that you have a food plan and a food system. I look at what goes on in Lahaina and I'm thinking in terms of those people that were able to escape out of there, out of that fire. 
And if they, if those people, families had had emergency food, I'm not saying they did or didn't, but the families had had it, that could have been something as a, just part of a standard procedure to throw that into your car and go so that no matter where you arrived at, even if it's 50 miles away to safety, you had food to operate on. And we see that this is becoming increasingly important because in all truth, FEMA didn't deliver, Red Cross is gone, et cetera. So check it out. Do take it very seriously right now. So My Patriot Supply, go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Check out those three-month food kits. They're important. One for every member of the family gives you peace of mind. Great investment, an investment that lasts for, you know, it's going to be 20, 25-year shelf life, which you can't beat. And you always have that as part of your emergency kit, whether it's whether you're bugging in or bugging out. So again, preparewithbarts.com. Check it out. This story that is coming out of here about the horrors of Lahaina is just getting worse by the day and by the second, quite frankly. Um, we, we're really facing an unprecedented evil that has found it in its comfort zone to destroy a whole community. Now, I mentioned this in Bard's in Bended Knee today, and I'm going to address this now. And I've had some response on my position on Lahaina to try to suggest that, you know, I was, and the word was that I was, they were to be given me a word from God that I was missing, missing this place, that Lahaina was a community of idol worshipers and that this was about somehow this was an act to break the the genetic curse or whatever. And so I, you know, I really I literally like, okay, if this is a if this is a word of God, then I'm gonna take it to prayer and I'll hear what God says. And and this is a true story today. So I had read this this morning, and as my response was, these to me, these are just words until they're confirmed. Otherwise, they're just words. I don't just take things like someone says it's a word of God, like whatever. And it didn't set right with me because I can't rationalize a God that is going to wipe out the little ones because somehow the parents are idol worshiping. And, and that may rationalize within somebody's thinking in Old Testament, but that doesn't rationalize with mine at all. So I literally prayed on this, and I, I just said, okay, God, look, I, it would be nice if you can just, if this is real, give me a response. Or if it's not real, give me a response. And I just sat down for a late breakfast. It was about, I don't know, 10, 10.30 my time. And um, I uh, called Brad Cummings, and I, just, I was going to bounce off some thoughts with him, and he didn't answer the phone. And out of the blue, my phone rings. And it was um, Pastor Paul Cantrell, who's from Portland, really good guy. He's going to be at Bards Fest, by the way. And um, I had just spoken with him like an hour before. We were talking about Bards Fest details and a few other things. And he answers the phone and he goes, and he immediately says, he goes, brother, I just want to tell you I love you and you're walking with the Holy Spirit and it's all about love. And I started laughing. I said, well, that's a nice way. Did you butt dial this? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, so what you just did is you just got around a butt dial. <laughs> and he says, yes. But here was the amazing part. 
is what he said and then what followed in our conversations was a direct confirmation of a prayer that I had just made with Father God. The principal issue is this. With very few exceptions, I, I read this earlier, and I, I'd have to look this up. Someone says there's only two places in the Bible where God says not to pray. Here's my thing. We're called to pray. And we're called to pray for people. We're called to pray to bring them to bring the blessings of them and to ultimately pray to help them find their way to Jesus. What we've witnessed in Lahaina is a murder. And there is no way, I mean, I would stand before the throne and say this. There is no way I'm not praying for healing and restoration of that land. And there is no way I'm not praying for healing and restoration of those people. End of story. And unless I have Jesus in front of me, like grabbing me going, you will not pray. And even then I'm going to say, why? There is no possible way I will not do that. Our mission in this world, and it's truly the very commission, it is the commission we have to literally, and when I say pray, I'm, I'm who I'm praying for right now are everybody in Hawaii. Now, am I also praying for our enemies? Uh-huh, I am. Because God would want us to. And this is really one of the challenging places we have. And it is doesn't mean you don't take action. You know, and this is a thing. The default we have, I mean, I'm going to kind of step back a minute and restart that because the default that we have right now in 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 our churches is that's all people do. Let's just pray like it's all going to get fixed. We're not praying for God to fix this. We're praying into the authorities for us to work with God to fix this. There's a big difference. So when I'm sitting here praying, saying, Father, fix this, to me, those prayers are just an empty prayer. And the reason is, is because we've already been given authorities to steward this earth. And that is confirmed in Romans 8, which we were going over last night, which we'll touch on again tonight. We have those authorities, and we're tied to the creation, and the earth is groaning for the creation of the, of the children of the Most High to return. And that's literally our role, to step into that and to pray. But our prayers are about putting feet and traction to those prayers, not just sitting in a pew going, pray, 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 it's all going to be good. Part of that is in the actions of prayers, or just like what's going on in Lahaina. People aren't just sitting there praying and watching people starve to death. And it's a transformation. I mean, these moments of, uh, uh, sadly, what happens so much in our walk is that we don't find our relationship with God until our lives are stripped apart and ripped apart. I, that's my own testimony. My own testimony is very simple, that I wandered through life with kind of a skirting relationship with God until I was literally broken and stripped of everything and left with myself and another guy in a cell. And that moment is when it became profoundly clear what my choices were. And I chose fortunately, correctly, as I think God knew I would, but I still was given a choice. 
What happened in Lahaina is horrific. Horrific. I can't even process what that would be like to have everything stripped from you and having so many of your community just vanish. I mean, they're literally not there. So I find it rather horrific even to have to receive a thought that somehow there was a justification of heaven. I mean, it's just, I just find this so, and I, I'm speaking honestly here, especially after this encounter today, because God is centered on love. He is a, he's a God of mercy, not vengeance. And I don't know where people get this. I, and I, I think it's this unworthy garbage that somehow like, and could you hear it? People will be like, oh, God did this to me. God did not do that to you. He's not there to punish you. You may be left with a moment of trial that may be difficult, but God's not going to reach out and punish you. Can you imagine having a God like that? Every one of us would be like so bruised and beat up because we do stuff every day. We have a merciful God, a merciful Father. But at the same time, we also have to walk some rough roads at times because we're not living into what he gave us. And one of those things is the authorities of this earth to manage it. And right now, every time we turn to him and go fix it, I mean, it's like, what do we? What is he supposed to do when he's given us authorities to work with him to fix it? So our prayers are going to continue here for Lahaina, the bottom line. They're going to continue for the restoration of the land, the raising of the voices of the children, the raising of the dead, and we're going to pray for the resurrection of that sacred tree. Not because I care anything about idol worship, I don't give a rip, but what I do care about is what God showed me, and that is the power of a healing of that land, of what it would mean for the eyes of the world to look and witness the miracles of the living God. That's important. And, you know, anything else? You know, like I said, if... If, if I have Jesus come down and grab me by the shirt collar and say, you will not pray, I'd be, I'm not exaggerating. I'd say, all right, my Lord, you better explain why, because otherwise I'm going to defy you, because I'm called to pray. And it's that simple. And we have to have a backbone like this. We have to have that strength. And understand that the glory of prayer is truly one of the most powerful tools we have. We just haven't learned well how to use it yet. But the horrors that are going on in that in that area is just unfathomable. Steve Bannon's reporter that's been over there, and he's been doing an amazing job. And that amazing job has also brought has brought exposure to some really really horrific things. And part of that exposure is the fact that the mayor will not acknowledge the question of how many children are missing. Because they know, and they don't want people to know. They're afraid of what's going to happen when they discover that it's hundreds and maybe more. We don't know. We keep hearing this number of 900 missing or 1,300 missing like they're going to find them. And that's the part that's so sickening here. We have to step up. We literally have to step up with where we sit. And, it, and proclaim kingdom authority over this. And that's our responsibility. It is sickening to me 
what has happened here. And it should be sickening to everybody. And with that, we have the authorities to step in and make a difference. It's profound. And it's, it's happening all around us because, unfortunately, death is becoming normalized. Here's, listen to this headline. This is in USA Today. More young Americans are dying, and it's not COVID. Why aren't we searching for answers? Because we don't want to face the truth as a culture that you got bamboozled and led into taking a, a shot. It's no mystery why people are dying. They're dying because they took an untested vaccine that was designed to destroy the heart and develop blood clots and other issues that people are dying. And the youth are dying in mass numbers. You know, this is one of these, another one of these great myths is circulating around. I don't know if you paid attention, but in every community around the country, there are not enough people to fill the jobs. And this is what you hear all the time. Now, think about it if you're a millennial, just for a moment, okay? You're a millennial or a Gen Zer. And constantly you hear this comment, Oh, well, they're not working because they're too lazy and all they want is that free money. And so they're not going out and they're not looking for these jobs. If you're listening to the reports coming out of the millennials, they are so upside down with their with the cost of living and their inability to get ahead. They're, they're working two and three jobs, many of them. So the question is, where have these people gone? And then you have to really follow the money. Like what money is out there? What money is available out there for them to live off of free? Rents aren't allowed to be deferred indefinitely anymore. So we should see if we're, if we're trying to find a millennial class that's supposedly living free off the government money, we should see a cluster of people like sharing small spaces together because rents are so high, or we should see a mass exodus of people into either the rural communities with lower wages or even worse, dispersed onto the street. We're not seeing that. It's not to say it's not happening, but we have millennials that are living in cars right now and some Gen Zers in cars because they can't afford a four and $5,000 a month in the areas where they're working. So what's happening to these people? Well, if we listen to Edward Dowd, who's probably the wisest person on this subject, and we're working to get him back on the show, by the way. He was supposed to come on this week, but he had some issues come up, but he'll be back on. That is, he's telling us through the actuary data that he's collecting that the millennials are dying or being disabled by the shot. And yet the narrative, this ridiculous narrative of USA Today is they're dying. What, why aren't we looking for answers? We have the answers. The question is, why isn't America facing the truth? And ultimately, because to face the truth means you have to look hard in the, in the mirror to realize who you are and what you're part of. And there's so much indoctrination into the fact that our government is the greatest in the world. We're the freest nation in the world. And you just kind of shake your head. Our food is the worst in the world, unless you're buying local. But if you're buying off the commercial market, our food is the worst and the most poisoned in the world. We have a government that's, that is one of the biggest lies of the world going. We have what we might call soft tyranny because they want you to make you feel good. 
Our churches have been corrupted. They have no backbone anymore to speak up against them, the tyranny. We are, we're a very broken society right now. And people aren't demanding, they aren't in a position anymore to even question. They seem to hesitate to question and question authority and to question for truth. I mean, and some of that's even built into the church. Because people are afraid to talk to God. And I, I'm, I know this is a wide blanket statement, but watch me on this. Because if you say to most people, you say, well, did you question God? Did you ask him why? People would be like, are you kidding me? It's God. It's like, no, I know he's God. That's one of the reasons I ask questions. It's like, why do you want me to do this? What, what's behind this? What, what's the deal? And sometimes you might get, just do it. It's like, okay, Lord, I'll do it. Other times, there's going to be a question. And part of that is for us to grow and to grow in our relationship with him. But there's like this fear of defying and there's no defiance in that statement. Somehow asking a question becomes an act of defiance. And in doing so, there's a fear that people are like, I can never question God. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why not. I'm not, I'm not challenging his authority. I'm asking for clarity. That would be a good thing to understand sometimes. And I'm also trying to discern what I'm hearing and bring truth into this so that I'm clear where my path is. But like, you know, we get these comments and when somebody throws you a comment, kind of back to what I said this morning, and it's kind of like, this is like, you've, you've heard from kingdom now. And it's like this big booming voice that somehow is coming from somebody you don't know, like it's going to shake you up. And it doesn't shake me up. It actually irritates me because I find it to be very arrogant to make that position. Especially as I, I work very hard in everything I do to place God in the driver's seat of everything and to be obedient and to abide. That isn't to say I'm perfect. It doesn't say that there aren't voices that come in at times to remind us. But I'll tell you, every voice that's come in to provide me with a message that resonates in, in harmony with Father is a, is, a, is a thing of you might consider taking this to prayer type message, not an ultimatum. And I, I would just say that that's a caution we all have to have because we're in a very tense time right now. And in this tense time, it's very easy for us to follow to quick judgment. Right now, especially as things come under attack, it's easy and to be able to say, well, you're not, you're not like me, so you're going to hell. But if we're going to put on those eyes of God and realize that everybody here is his children and he's wanting them all to come home, you know, there isn't a single cookie-cutter position of what, where you need to be as a, as a person walking with God. We need to have, you know, and, and here, let me just, I'm going to even caveat that a bit because I, what I just said, I can't tell you how many times when I say something like this, somebody will be like, that's a blasphemous statement because you didn't say that they have to accept Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. And it is a process now of walking with everybody to walk with him, to let ourselves be seen in the eyes that show that we have him. And it's how we walk as the stewards that raise up the love and desire to get to know him. 
And unfortunately, when you hear things like that, where people are very mechanical about their, and, and I've had too many of these conversations, when were they baptized? Who baptized them? It's like, dude, you're codifying everything that is wrong. Because I can tell you the number of testimonies that I receive of people that have been touched by Christ in their life, transformed, and in the very humble way I say this, through this show. And it's not a sequence of events. We're going to be baptizing people at this Bards Fest like we did in the previous Bards Fest. Like, and it's people are ready for that moment, and it's incredible. But it doesn't have to go lockstep with a certain order of things. And when we start to codify the way things are done, we're putting God in a box in a way that's going to only blow up in our face. We have to be these amazing stewards to be able to realize the gifts that we've been given and the authorities that we've been given and to be able to have that united unity with God in a forgiving and loving heart to such a way that when we do pray like we do regularly, but also just every day we should be, but in the pray like we do every week, we are literally bringing those authorities into the world and it's transformational and there's, it's undeniable and is, it is a witness of the miracle God the miracles of God, and that's what we need more of in this world. The problem so much is that I don't think that people really embrace the power of Romans 8, which is in itself so incredible and so so telling that we this is a place where truly it is creation itself that is waiting for us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from the slavery of, to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Set free into the glory of the children of God. That's into us. Creation itself, think about that. It's incredible. And if that's truly who we are and what we have, then there is nothing in this world that should be able to affect us in our walk. The deep state's greatest narrative right now is the constant nudging of fear of the, of the future that is somehow not in our control. And so events like Lahaina are a shock and awe. They're a 9-11 level type event where it leaves people emotionally traumatized. I mean, we should be, if anything, what we're not seeing is there should be just like millions of people trying to get connected with every single person in Lahaina to pray for them, to pray for the healing of their hearts. We'll do it. I, have no, I mean, that's not, we don't, God tells us we don't need millions. But my principal point here is that it, it's like everybody should be praying into this. Because there is a lot of trauma there. And this is how they do this. They traumatize a, a segment of the population. They demonstrate a capability to the world. They leave everybody talking about their narrative. And in that whole discussion is the futility of where we are that comes out of it. It's like this is going to take us decades to return. We're not going to be able to get over this easily. We're going to be forgotten. All these things are the negative, 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 negative. And we don't hear 
and don't witness the power of saying, no, sorry, we're not going to accept Lahaina the way it is. We are the children of the Most High. And we declare that this is a completely healed and restored space. And that through this, the Holy Spirit will just flood into here. I mean, we don't hear that sort of discussion. We will do it. We do do it. But it is a principle of what we're about. And we have to be very careful not to let ourselves fall into these traps where the enemy sets them. This is These are subtle ambushes, but they're important because it, a lot, what the, the enemy does well is to very much just edge us into their narrative. And one of those is time. And the time that you're hearing come out of Lahaina is this will take us decades to restore. Well, we won't get over this easily. Well, we know that's not true. Okay. We know that Christ can heal. We know the Father God can can change things instantaneously. So we can't put God in a box. And we have to allow Father to work through us and him. And part of that is we have them to master the loving and forgiving heart. Should we be we can, pray, we can pray to have those that were responsible brought to the kingdom, the courts of heaven, which we have done. But what, shouldn't we also pray that those that have done this would be awakened with the presence of Christ to experience that incredible power of our Lord and Savior before them? To, be, to have to bear witness of the path that they've walked and to be given the choice going forward of whom they shall serve? Can you imagine the ripple effect on the enemy? If you start pulling some of these people away, let me just give you an example. Imagine if on a global scale, imagine that someone like Oprah Winfrey Winfrey, openly confessed her sins and proclaimed herself as a follower of Jesus. Now someone can say, that's not going to happen. Why? Why would that not happen? Paul was called by God on the road to Damascus after being like the butcher of Christians. Why could that not happen? But why is it that we have worked into a place where we believe it can't happen? That's the bigger question. And I think that a lot of it is that we get wrapped around a model of justice, which is ultimately based on punitive measures, not a justice based on mercy. We are a world where literally... God has to, God is a father of mercy. And even to the last breath, that, that is extended. But I, you know, going back to that Oprah's example, I mean, literally, if you saw it happen, I think most of us would be like, was that an AI simulation? <laughs> or is that really Oprah if she declared Jesus? But on a real level, besides once we get past our doubt and our fact-checking to see, our real fact-checking to see if that was really Oprah or if it was just an AI simulation, it would be an incredible moment that would shock the world. And so as we prayed for Lahaina and the restoration of the sacred tree and the restoration of the lands and the, the raising of the dead of the children and their families, how would the world resolve that if that happened? The media would try to bury it. 
they probably make up some story that the kids were in an underground bunker or something and they just found them. It would be that sort of ridiculousness. And there'd still be people that would believe some of that. But look look again, at, as we mentioned last night, I mean, look at the hurricane that was coming on California that on Saturday, the hurricane was a Category 4. And it was being elevated towards a Category 5. By Sunday morning, it had been downgraded to a tropical storm. We prayed on it. We rebuked the hurricane. We said that's going to happen. So what, what actually happened? Are we going to get the excuse that, oh, it, it had nothing to do with your prayers? Okay. Whatever. We know it did. And that's us being stewards of the earth. And that's us literally being revealed as the sons of God. Romans 8. There's a lot of things coming down the pipe. And there's a lot of pressure on us to literally comply to a a future which they say they've written for us. And that creates anxiety. And it creates a lot of concern. But if God is going to provide all, as he does, and if we are walking with Father, which by definition means you have no fear, then that means the enemy has no power. And as long as we're holding to that place that the enemy has no power, there's nothing the enemy can do to us. There's no weapon forged against us that can succeed. Doesn't mean once in a while you're not going to get roughed up a little bit. That's possible. But it won't succeed. At this point in time, all of the stuff that we do to stay informed has to be looked at fairly unemotionally. You have, you have to look at this stuff from a standpoint of remaining informed of the movements and the events of the time. And you can do that very easily when you put yourself firmly on that rock of faith and you, you've got your eyes on Christ. You can listen to all this and deal with all this without having any challenges or, or disruption in your life. And in fact, what it will do, the more you follow that, is it will light that righteous indignation within you, that righteous fire, to seek those authorities to lean in and to take the authorities of, of creation that are for us and to push back against this evil. But when we accept a place of sitting in a disempowered lesser position, which is the I'm not worthy role, I'm going to sit in the pew and be abused role, there's nothing I can do about it mission, then of course you're going to ultimately succumb to fear. And then what, you, what happens is our prayers change. Instead of seeing and walking in a prayer of authority, we walk in a prayer of submission and begging God to fix it. Father, fix this. We don't know what to do. Father, take me away. I don't know what to do. I mean, if we really want to look at the threshing, right now, all of this is a threshing that's sifting out those that have the courage and the heart to say, I don't care what's before me. I will pray against it, and I will lead and step into wherever Father pushes me to go. And that, is where we should all be. Maybe, maybe when I what I say tonight is like, you know, words to some. I need you to hear this from my heart. 
what I talk about, I live. And I live with the flow of, I've used this metaphor before, very much like the river. When we work with Father and we're in united with Him, things just connect perfectly. The doors open, some big, some small, but it's not like you're fighting anything. So let me just give you a very tangible story. That for some it's just coincidence, but for me this is exactly what I'm talking about. So I, I, uh, I told you I just had two steers butchered and I picked up the meat yesterday. And as I'm you know, doing the calculations and I'm looking at this amount of meat, I knew that the freezer space is going to become premium. And I've got a this eight-foot walk-in freezer that we're trying to finish. That's a pretty big project still to go. And I, so on the way back of the butcher, I uh, called ahead to the appliance store, local, great guys only American-made stuff. And I said, look, do you guys have any chest freezers? And he says, no. And now two months ago, or a month and a half ago, they had chest freezers, but they were like 13 cubic feet, and they're, and they're pretty expensive. But I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to bite the bullet on this, and I'll get another chest freezer. We have a space at the house for an upright freezer, but they didn't have any of those a month and a half ago. So the, as, I, as I'm talking to him, he says, no, we, we can't get chest freezers right now. He said, they're just not available. Everybody's buying them up and they're hard to get. But he says, we just got to buy on upright freezers. And I said, okay, what is that? What are we talking about? He goes, 20 cubic feet. I'm like, I need that. I'll come down and get one. And he says, well, yeah, and on top of it, uh, they're on sale right now. So th these are on sale for like $500 off and they're about $300 less or $400 less than the smaller chest freezers when I could get them which was in itself pretty amazing. So I'm just kind of flown with this. And again, this is kind of how God works. And I'm still in the back of my mind, like, okay, how am I going to get, you know, I still have more meat coming. I've got an, another thousand pounds that just went on the hook right now after butchery today or after kill today. And I've got another thousand pounds after that. And so I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm like, all right, Lord, I just trust wherever we're going. Just, Here's where I'm at. These are the concerns I have, but I trust wherever it's going. So in the meantime, I go to the appliance store. We've been looking for a, a propane uh, cooktop, and I haven't found one. And as I walk behind the desk, there's a propane cooktop, American-made, half price because it's the floor model, and it just so happens to be the exact size we need, and it's natural gas, but it has a propane kit in it. So I'm like, well, oh, look at that. Okay, so I picked that up. So tonight, I, I, in, in the meantime, I've stopped at the store to get some stuff, and I run into a neighbor, and I'm telling him about the freezer, and out of the blue, he says, do you have an electrician yet? I said, no. In fact, it's on my list to find an electrician. He says, call this guy. He says, he's a great man. He's a Christian, and he lives local. So he called last night. We missed calls. I got hold of him tonight. Well, he raises cattle. He raises bees. He's just down the way from me. He knows a refrigerator guy that, that helps do commercial freezers, so now I'm hooked up with that. He can't come until October, 
And as he's talking, and he's, I'm like, wait a minute, you can't come until October. Why am I trying to rush this freezer when I can go buy another freezer and I'm good to go and solve the problem and have redundancy? And in the meantime, have be able to get this other guy he's just introducing me to, to come over and help me finish the freezer the right way. And then the October schedule works out all better. It takes off pressure between me and Bardsfest to try to get this done in a hurry. And then he ends the conversation by saying, who's going to do some cutting for you? I said, I haven't found anybody yet other than the butcher I have down south. He goes, oh, there's a guy five miles up the road from you. I know personally I used to cut. Why don't you call him? And um, he'll help you, and he'll, he'll come over and help you cut in the future. That's the perfection of God right there. And it's everything just clicked together. And in the process of just, and in the meantime, like today I've called, everybody I called connected, all their schedules lined up so I can get the propane guys out here. I can get the propane pipe guys out here. I can get the thing, ins- the new burner installed. All this is going to happen, which 10 days ago, I had no idea how this was going to come together. I just turned it over to God. When we're just moving with him and trusting in him and having these constant dialogues with him, doors are open if we're listening to the nudges which he presents. Sometimes it's bold. Sometimes it's soft. Now, obviously, this is a way off the story of something like Lahaina. But it's these small little events that remind us of how perfect God is and how he weaves everything together beautifully. So if we're going to be looking at the world that way and we're praying into things and we're listening, then really there's just an unlimited number of doors that can be thrown open. And as we learn to pray into that and respond to those doors that are thrown open, we're walking in the authorities that he's given us in this world. We are literally answering the call of creation that's been waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. And the more that we do that, the more that we understand that flow. A river guide does not just jump in a raft and learn how to guide the river. The river guide goes down that raft, that river, over and over and learns the river by the seasons and learns the river for all that it is, between the rocks, the eddies, the undertows, the the rapids, and understands as well how it changes by season so that they become one with the river. We need to become one increasingly in our walk as we answer the call of creation and understand that that place is not one of vengeance, anger, anxiety, any of these emotions of this world. That one is a beautiful heart of love and forgiveness. And with that beautiful walk and that symphony that starts to happen, the voices of evil just go away. It's not that they're not going to try, but it's that they don't have any penetration anymore. And we become part of a a grand symphony of perfection and rejuvenation of this world. Restoration is the word. But we have to understand and have to believe that that's possible. And we have to be willing to step in and to let go of the framing of narratives and, and all the things we've been told that are impossible. One last parallel, which is this. If you look and read mainstream journals to 
firsthand experiences of the carnivore diet. Firsthand experiences are going to reveal, are going to share the miracles of healing that that diet brings. Mainstream journals are going to tell you if you eat carnivore, you're going to die. You have to choose. Let's pray. Father, we're just really blessed just to be here tonight, and we thank you for these opportunities to assemble in this fellowship. And Father, really, I, I, this is just a prayer tonight of just leaning into the love of kingdom and to hear the voices of love and whatever that means they, into people's lives, the magnitude of love that's far beyond even our understanding of love. It's the love of Christ in the heart, the mightiness of kingdom, the strength of all the source of kingdom centers on love. And we just, the prayer tonight is that that can be experienced in a profound and incredible way. To be witness for all those that hear to the magnitude and glory and incredible touch of love. We forget so often the ripple effect of accepting Christ. We seek it or we encourage it, but too often we don't lead with it. We don't walk with it and don't realize as we do and as others experience it and they're drawn to it, the ripple effect that that can make across so many domains. This powerful place where one person in an organization that may be a completely evil organization, one person transformed could change the entire spiritual genetics of that entire organization. And as we lean into that place, truly, of embracing and accepting the power of love in the Holy Spirit, it is truly a weapon of war. But that means we have to detach, Father, from the images of war and the concepts of judgment and the concepts of punishment and instead transform our sword to a sword of mercy. And perhaps that in itself is one of the greatest lessons of Peter and Jesus in the garden. For Peter's sword was a physical sword of mercy by slicing the ear and not killing the attacker, but left a physical scar. And Jesus' sword of mercy was the sword of spirit that forgave the attacker and healed the ear without a scar. Father, the prayer is just to bring that reality into people's hearts. Thank you for this time. And we thank you, Jesus, for being with us tonight. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. All right, patriots. Hope you have a very blessed evening. We have a lot of amazing things to do. We will continue to pray for Lahaina. Keep your prayers up for Lahaina. And keep Lahaina there before us because it's significant. We have to take away evil's hand here and restore this to a a different place. Follow the pillars. Rescue, heal, restore. And as we do that, we find the echo and the power of those pillars 
translate across a spiritual domain that can make a physical transition and transformation unlike anything we've ever imagined and ultimately bring the world to its knees before the king. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow. For bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body. Oh.
是。